0: Sometimes when you lay down right before you go to sleep, your mind will just go somewhere. I've been preparing this message most of Saturday, well, three or four hours. And as I laid down, this this came to my mind. While passing through this world of sin and others, your life shall see. Be clean and pure. Without, within. Let others see Jesus in you. That chorus goes. Let others see Jesus in you. Let others see Jesus in you. Keep telling the story. Be faithful and true. Let others see Jesus in you. The message today is, is about this. Is your life living proof that you know the living God? I want you to think about that. Is your life living proof that the God you worship and the God you serve, that he's alive, he's the living God? You know, years ago, uh, this quote-unquote uh, theme of God is dead came out. Some p- professor somewhere made the statement and wrote an article. And, and you know, unbelievers are always looking at an op- for an opportunity to attack the f- Christian faith, to attack the Bible, to make little of those of us who follow Jesus. And so he wrote an article. And, and everybody was talking about God is dead. Now, what about the God is dead movement? What about God is dead? Well, It was just an attack straight from hell on the God of the Bible, the God of creation, the God and Father of Jesus Christ, the God that we know. But then, you know, thank God there was a great answer from the Christian community when they put out the movie, God is not dead. How many of you all saw that movie? Woo-wee. Man, that was good, wasn't it? Boy, it was a profound witness. Your God may be dead, but the God we know is not dead. You know, and our lives need to be living proof that God is not dead, the God we worship, but he's alive and very active in our lives and present in our lives, and we know him. Over in the book of Daniel, there's a tremendous story. And in chapter 6, verses 18 through 21, there were a bunch of pagans. One of them was Nebuchadnezzar. But they all knew something about Daniel was different. They all knew and they said, Daniel, the God that you serve is a living God. You see, they all had dead gods, idols made of stone, wood. But they saw Daniel and said, you know, look at what it says. Now, the king said to his palace, went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no uh, musicians were brought before him that he might, uh, uh, and his uh, sleep went from him. Now, let me tell you what the circumstance is there. King Darius had seen Daniel, and Daniel had interpreted his dreams that I'll talk about later, and he had a great love for Daniel, even though he was a pagan himself, King Darius. But they had trapped Daniel, and now he had been sentenced to die in the lion's den. And the king was all upset about it, and he went home, and he couldn't sleep, and he was a nervous wreck. All right, it says. So he couldn't sleep that night. So the king rose very early in the morning, and then went in haste. the den of lions and can you imagine he couldn't sleep all night he was waiting for the sun to come up he took off for the lion's den and got up early and went down there and 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 look at the next verse and when he came to the den he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel the king spoke saying to Daniel Daniel now listen to what he said servant of the living God Darius knew all the other gods around him were dead. He said, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, has He been able to deliver you from the lions? <laughs> Listen to what Daniel said. <laughs> then Daniel said to him, O king, live forever. Go ahead. The next verse. My God. Well, the living God is not dead, hallelujah. When you need an angel, he'll send one. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. And they have not hurt me. But now listen to the next statement. Because I was innocent before him. You know what Daniel said? For they ever put me in the lion's den, I was right with God. There was nothing between my soul and the Savior. I was walking in obedience, in holiness, and righteousness. He said, I'm going to tell you, King, he sent an angel to shut the mouth of the lions because I was found innocent before him. And also, King, I have done no wrong before you. So, you know, there, there we see that a man's life gave an example that he served the living God. They all knew Daniel's God was alive. His life was living proof. So what I want us to do today is take a glimpse at the life of Daniel and see how they all knew his God was alive. Then how can we live that the people we live next to and the people we work with and the people we're closest to will say, you know, I know one thing. He hadn't got religion. <laughs> she hadn't got religion. No. Uh, he, she, he knows his God. She knows her God. I mean, she talks to him. He talks to him. Prays. Goes through the, hey. Th- th- no, th- this is not a dead religion they're in. Th- their life gives evidence that they know the living God. Well, That, you know, how did Darius, well, first it was Nebuchadnezzar, and then it was Darius. How did they know that Daniel's God was a living God? Well, they were pagans. I mean, they didn't, you know, all the gods they knew were false gods. So how did they know that Daniel's God was a living God? Well, let's put our life down beside Daniel's and say, now, the same thing that was in Daniel if it is in us, will be evident that we know the living God. We'll be living proof that Yahweh is alive and that Jesus is alive. All right? There are three things, all in the first six chapters of the book of Daniel. Here's the first one. Daniel's lifestyle, his character, and his conduct was proof that his God was alive. When they looked at Daniel's lifestyle, his character, his conduct, they said, he don't live like everybody in the Chaldeans live. He don't live like everybody else lives. He's different. Obviously, the God that he worships is not like our gods who never speak. They have eyes they don't see, ears they don't hear, and mouths they don't speak. Obviously, his God's alive because, man, it really has affected the way he lives. You know, uh, in Daniel chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, you know, here's an interesting story. Nebuchadnezzar overran Jerusalem, besieged the city, killed Jehoiakim the king. But he said, now listen, find some of the finest young people that are Jews and we want to train them. This is what he said. Then the king instructed Aspenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the the king's descendants and some of the nobles. And it goes on and says in the next verse, young men in whom there was no blemish, good-looking. I like this description here. Reminds (laughs) me of some of you. Okay, young men. In whom there was no blemish, good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand. Now he was talking about these Jewish young men. He said, "Quick to understand, who had ability to serve the king's palace, whom he might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. He said, "Fine, get the finest of the finest and bring them to me, and we're going to train them in the literature." And all the language of the Chaldeans. And we're going to give them three years of intensive training so that they can serve the king in his palace. All right. So they did that. And so Daniel was chosen. All right. Uh, In verse 5 it says, And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies, of wine which he drank, and, 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 and they were supposed to, they got the, his best food and the wine he drank, three years of training for them so that at the end of time they might serve the king. And, of course, we know who four of them were, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego ended up in a fiery furnace, and God delivered them. But I'm not going to talk about them today. I'd like to, but uh, we're going to talk about Daniel. Okay, so he said, now look. I want you to have the finest food the Chaldeans have. I want you to drink the finest wine that the king wine. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to embrace the lifestyle of the Chaldeans. Just be one of us and just come right on into our culture. Well, I want you to look at what Daniel said. Man, did he evermore speak a strong, strong word. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not, listen to this, defile himself. He would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies nor of the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested from the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Boy, Daniel was invited to embrace the lifestyle of the Chaldeans. But Daniel said, that's not who I am. Hey, I I came from Jerusalem. I know Yahweh. I know the true and living God. I'm not going to defile myself. I'm not going to embrace the lifestyle of a bunch of pagans. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to serve and worship the living God. Well, he had to talk. He had to talk the eunuch into it. Because he said, now look, Daniel, if, if, if you don't, and Shadrach, Meshach, if y'all don't eat the delicacies of the king and don't drink his wine, you're going to look weak. You're going to look bad. You, 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 it's gonna, and the king's going to come after me and say, what's wrong with him? Daniel said, wait a minute. I'll tell you what to do. Give me 10 days and let me eat what I want to eat, what God told me to eat. And by the way, it was all vegetables, you know. He said, let me eat that. And in 10 days, let's see how everything turns out. Well, in 10 days, man, uh, you know, uh, when they came to check Daniel out and check the others out, uh, you look in uh, verse 20 uh, uh, of, of of the first chapter. And it says here, so they ate. They didn't file themselves with the king's delicacies. They did not, not embrace the lifestyle of the Chaldeans. And so th- after 10 days, they said, you can keep on eating the way you're eating. You can keep on living the way you're living. And look what happened when they did it God's way. Hey, by the way, people say the only way to be happy, the only way to be successful, and the only way to, to achieve your goals in life is do it the world's way. That is a lie, a lie, and a lie. God's way is always the best way. It's always the best way. God always blesses his way. And Daniel knew that. And so look what happened. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than the magicians and the astrologers and those that were in his realm. Daniel said, I'm living among the Chaldeans, but I'm not going to embrace the lifestyle of the Chaldeans. I'm going to continue to embrace the lifestyle of the living God. And he knew God's way was far better than the world's way. The world says, now, if you want to get ahead, you've got to do this. The world says, if you want to be successful, you've got to do this. i tell you what you better do. You better read what the Bible says, what success is you ought to read what the Bible says about what getting ahead is. Because Daniel and them were ten times better. They did it God's way. You know, Daniel's lifestyle was living proof that he knew the living God. The king saw it. Everybody else saw it. And so let me, let me just say this. You know the pressure we're under today. I guarantee you, you want to get along with the people in your office that are lost? You want to get along with people in this world who are not saved, and many are just humanistic and agnostic and all this stuff? You know, they just say, well, come on, man. You know, just learn the language of the world. Just embrace the lifestyle of the world. Just do that, and you'll be fine. But the Bible warns us against that. Don't you know that? It says, now, listen, you're in the world but you're not of the world. In fact, I want you to see two verses that make clear to us that we are not to live the lifestyle of the Chaldeans. We're not to defile defile ourselves with the lifestyle of this world. Look what it says. You know this verse. He calls for surrender. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. Now, here it is. Do not be conformed to this world. Well, now, what world is he talking about? The world of which the devil is the prince of this world. He's the ruler of this dark spiritual world. He said, be not conformed to this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Don't you embrace the culture. You be transformed beyond the culture. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know what is God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. Let me say this. If you don't let the world system squeeze you into its mold, if you don't let the world system do that, then the world will say, it's not about religion with him. It's not about religion with her. They, they, they must know the living God. They must have a living faith. It affects their choices. It affects where they go, what they do, what they watch. You know, I, I never will forget, I think it was my second year in uh, in college. My wife and I were living in some government apartments called Gonzalez Gardens. and The rent was $25 a month, and that included the utilities. That was a good price. <laughs> but I would not recommend living there. <laughs> but I got a job at a gas station, and I was pumping gas. And, and isn't it amazing? I can still see this man in my eyes. His name was Strawbridge. He was, he was kind of a thin, small guy. He was wicked. He was wicked. He said, Fred, I want you to embrace the lifestyle I'm living. Now, I ain't going to tell you what it was. You don't need to know. And he kept putting pressure on me to embrace his lifestyle. Well, thank God I hadn't been really walking with God that long. But I knew that this was not what God would have me do. And I refused to do it. guess what? Only job I've ever been fired from. He said, we don't need you anymore. I said, well, that's exactly the way the world will put pressure on you and me to embrace the lifestyle of this world. Here's the, here's the challenge in this world. If we're not going to defile ourselves, we have to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Now the world system that we live in is all about the flesh. It's all about the flesh now. You say, well, I don't know about that, Brother Fred. Well, I love the created world. I love love fishing. I love hunting. I I don't shoot nothing. But I love love all that kind of stuff. I love this created world. I enjoy having a good time. I love sport. Hey, you know, there's so many things that are good that we can enjoy in this world that God gave us. But let me just say one thing. There's so much in this world that is the lust of the flesh that we can't have no part of. And, you can, and if you're not careful, this world will try to get you to defile yourself. Over in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 22 and following. Well, no, I want you to look at Galatians 5:13, and I want you to see this. Now, you're talking about the world squeezing us into its mold. We talk the world about putting pressure on us to embrace the lifestyle of the Chaldeans, to defile ourselves. All right, now, just look what it says about this. It says here, brethren, you have been called to liberty. He's talking about Christians. You have been called to freedom, but do not use your freedom as an opportunity to serve the flesh. But through love, serve one another. And then he goes on over in uh, verse, uh, it's verse uh, 16. This is what it says. This I say then. Walk in the Spirit. In other words, Christ Jesus comes to live in your heart. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I've been crucified with Christ. Christ lives in me. He said, Jesus said, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, walk in the Spirit. And and, and you won't give in to the desires of the flesh. And then he says, look, you're in a battle. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit of God in you. And the Spirit of God resists the flesh that is in you. They're they're in opposition to one another. Sometimes you don't do the things that you wish. Now, this is the lifestyle that the world wants us to embrace. It talks about the works of the flesh. All right? There are three categories of the works of the flesh. And you say, well, that's, that's America's lifestyle. All right, look what it says. First of all, in verse 19... It talks about sexual sins. For the works of the flesh, for the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness. Well, (laughs) I, I mean, we don't have to talk about that adultery is rampant in the land. Fornication is any type of sexual sin outside of marriage. We know what uncleanness is. It's that which is filthy, wicked, and and lewdness. Think of the, um, the billion, billion, billion. More money is spent on pornography in America than all the National Football League teams and others combined with the television revenue and everything. It is more than all of that money, and it's billions of dollars. On pornography which is nothing but adultery, fornication, uncleanness and lewdness. And it's, it's only a click away. It's only a click away And that's the lifestyle the world wants us to embrace and say oh that's okay But then it goes on and talks about spiritual sins. look at what it says idolatry, anything you put anything you love more than you love God. That's called idolatry. Anything you love more than you love God. This is spiritual sin. Well, sorcery. Greek word, pharmakia. Which drug use? Drugs. Drugs. I don't have to tell you about it. We're constantly fighting it in Mobile. I, I mean, that's, uh, the police department is overwhelmed by the drug traffic. In this nation, it is unbelievable between heroin and its comeback and cocaine and, and crystal meth and all of that stuff. He said, let me tell you something. The works of the flesh are sexual sins, but it's also spiritual sins. And let me tell you something about sorcery. You know how the demons of hell get into people? when they alter their mind with drugs and they're no longer in control and the demons of hell come in and absolutely will destroy them about the two people that sitting in the car down in the Grand Bay area and they both had overdosed with needles and were both dead and two other people over in Baldwin County and been addicted to drugs all their life let me tell you something the world says it's oh no that's just a, that's where the high is high nothing it's hell He says, sorcery, hatred. Listen, people just constantly killing each other. They fire a person from a job. They think they were mistreated. They hate him. They go in and not only shoot them, but everybody else in the office. Outburst of wrath. <coughs> Contentions. Division. Division. People divided. Contentions. Jealousies. Selfish ambitions. Dissensions. Heresies. Those are spiritual sins. And then, then he talks about social sins. Envy. Just plain jealousy. Murder. Drunkenness. Partying. Well, that's one good thing about Mobile. It doesn't have drunkenness and partying. Oh, I forgot something. I forgot something. It's Mardi Gras. Oh. Do you, do you feel the spirit of oppression over this city when Mardi Gras is going on? You say, all right, now, Brother Fred, don't miss. That's sacred in Mobile. You don't know how much money that brings into this city. You don't know how much hell that brings in this city either. <laughs> how many persons was never an alcoholic and started going to the Marty Gras balls and ended up an alcoholic? Oh, no. You don't touch the sacred cow, but it ain't a sacred cow. I've touched it, and they don't like it. I remember when I left Mobile to go somewhere else and <laughs> and the comic cowboys had their parade. And I'm just telling you what they said on their float. They said, who's going to tell us about sin now that Brother Fred's gone? That's the greatest compliment I've ever gotten. No, I'm serious with you. That was on the float. And and see, it's not that I'm a party poop. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. That it's sin, envies, murders, drunkenness, party, of which I told you beforehand and I tell you in times past that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What part of that don't you understand? You know how they knew Daniel's God was the living God? He refused to embrace the culture of the Chaldeans. He would not defile himself. He would not defile himself. When passing through this world of sin and others, your life shall be few. Be clean and pure without within. Let others see Jesus in you. But let me tell you what the fruit of the Spirit is. Now, you you get around somebody that has the fruit of the Spirit, You know this person, they don't have religion. They know the living God. Look what it says in Galatians 5.22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. Let me say that again. What would it be like if people were walking in the Spirit? It's love and joy, and peace, and long-suffering, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness. You see, Daniel, that was what was exhibited in his life. And they said, you know something? Daniel worships the living God. His life is living proof that his God is alive. Well, here's the second thing about Daniel. His life was living proof that God was alive because of his character, his conduct and his lifestyle. But now get this. This will help you. The, The king knew that Daniel's God was a living God because Daniel knew God's voice. He knew God was faithful. And he knew God's power. And he trusted him with his life. See, there are a lot of voices today. There's the voice of the world then there's the voice of God. And that was true in the Chaldeans. But Daniel knew God's voice. And he trusted God with his life. And that was evident to everybody that his God was a living God. Now in chapter 2 of Daniel, verses 1 and 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And, and the scripture will come up. It says, now the, in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. And his, and his spirit was so troubled that he couldn't sleep at night. So and Nebuchadnezzar has a dream he can't sleep. All right. So next verse says, he commanded to call the magicians, the astrologers, and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans to tell him the d- dream. And they came and stood before him. Now, let me tell you what he said to them. This, this is tough. He said, I want y'all to tell me the truth. I don't want you to make up anything. I want to know what this dream means. And if you don't tell me the truth and you can't interpret it, now get this. He says, I'm going to cut you in pieces. You're all going to die. Boy, you're talking about pressure. It says in verse 6, it said, I'm going to cut you in pieces if you don't get it interpreted. Well, they could not interpret it. In fact, let me tell you something. That is amazing. In, um, In verse 11, they came back. Now get this. They came back and said, King. We cannot interpret this dream. And then they said this. It is a difficult thing that the king requests. And there's no other who can tell us uh, to the king uh, the the truth. There's no other one that can tell us the king except, who can tell the king except the gods whose whose dwelling is not with flesh. Now listen to what they said. No human being can know the interpretation of this dream. And the only ones that could interpret this dream are the gods with a little g. And they don't dwell with flesh. You know what they're saying? We can't answer your question, and we don't have a god that can answer your question. That's exactly what they said. Well, buddy, he sent out a decree to kill all the wise men, all the magicians, all the astrologers, all the soothsayers, sorcerers. He sent out a tweet to kill all of them. There was just one problem. That included Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So Daniel got wind of it, and so he goes to the king and says, King, I understand that they could not interpret the dream. I understand that, but will you give me an opportunity to get alone with my God. By the way, the other people had said, and there's no God uh, in the, uh, in, 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 uh, among our flesh. So we don't, we don't have any answer. Daniel said, would you let me get alone with my God who is, and, and let, let me find out what your dream meant. And I'll come back and I'll tell you. Well, so what he does is this. He, um, he, he, he gets, um, in verse 17, 18. He gets the king to say to him, okay, you can. So guess what he does? Daniel, boy, you're talking about wise. He goes to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he says, listen, all the wise men are going to be killed if this dream is not interpreted. He said, I want you to pray. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Meshach, and Amar, which is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And look at the next verse. And he said that and 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 that that those Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego might seek mercies from the God of heaven. He said to them, "Now listen, you guys. I'm going. I'm gonna go get along with God. I've got to hear from hear God's voice, and I've got to interpret this dream. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, y'all pray. You pray. You pray to the God of heaven that concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish." and the rest of, with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. He said, you pray that we can have the mercies of God. Well, so Daniel prayed, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego prayed. Guess what? God answered him. Daniel chapter tw- 2, verse 20 through 23. I want you to look at this. Then Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for his wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times, listen, he changes the times and the seasons and removes kings and raises up kings. Hey, by the way, let's underline that verse during these election days. He re- removes kings and he raises up kings. That's what Daniel said about God. And he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. And then he went on and, and said, uh, He said, God has revealed me the secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and he knows what is in the light and dwells with them. I thank you and praise you, O God, of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and now you have made known to me what was asked of you and you have made known to us the king's demand. And boy, he goes in there and he tells the king the interpretation of his dream. Daniel knew God's voice. Daniel talked to God, and God talked to Daniel. Now, that was living proof that his God was alive. So what it means is this. You and I, if if we serve and worship the living God, we know his voice. We talk to him, and he talks to us. It's a lifestyle. God didn't create us, save us, and forget about us. He talks with us. And so we talk to him. And that's exactly what Jesus said in John 10, 27, and 28. Listen to what he said. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Let me run this line of those words. My sheep hear my voice. It is obvious that we serve the living God when we know the voice of God. We talk to him in prayer, but he talks to us. And and over in, um, I want to show you a great thing, how God will reveal things to his servants. Over in the book of Acts, chapter 27, verse 22, Paul had told these sailors, you better not sail. I know you say you've got to get there, but I'm telling you, it's going to be a storm, and we're going to go down. They didn't listen to him, what he says. All right, so they got in the storm. They thrown everything overboard, and they were convinced they all were going to die. And Paul said, and now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you. That They were in the worst storm. They had a name for it. I mean, it was unreal. They were in the worst storm. there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. Now we're going to lose the ship. But then he said, "For there stood by me this night an angel of God whom I belo- to whom I belong and whom I serve. And this is what he told me, saying, "Do not be afraid, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God will be granted and indeed God has granted you and all those who are with you uh, therefore don't lose heart, for I believe God." God, an angel appeared to Paul and said, listen, you're going to lose the ship, but you're not going to die, and the rest of that crowd with you is not going to die. And old Paul said, I want to tell you all something. God appeared to me, and then he said this, and I want you to know I believe God. I believe what God told me. So let me just say this about it. You know when your life is living proof that you know the living God? It's when you talk to him, and he talks to you. You've learned to know his voice and to understand his ways. You know, um, one of the greatest statements I read in a book by Roy Hessian was, and this will help you to know the voice of God. Jesus is a lamb, is the lamb, and the Holy Spirit is a dove. A lamb is very, very gentle. And a dove is very, very gentle. So when God speaks, he speaks as a lamb. And he speaks as a dove. He speaks gently, he speaks clearly, but he speaks with authority. But he doesn't harass you, oppress you, threaten you. No, no. He's the lamb of God. He's the devil. And so when God speaks, he speaks clearly. He speaks lovingly. He speaks gently. He speaks firmly, but he speaks with authority. Hey, but by the way, what about the devil? He's a roaring lion. You know what the devil, he's, you know how you can know it's the devil's voice? He will harass you he will oppress you, he will push you, he will drive you, he will threaten you. If you don't do this right now, you better do this. If you don't do it before the night, you... The devil's a roaring lion. And man, when I feel harassed, pushed, driven, compelled, uh uh-uh, no, sir, I ain't going there. That is not the voice of the lamb. Don't misunderstand me. God speaks, and he speaks with authority. And brother, you need to listen but he always speaks lovingly and gently and clearly and firmly. See, the reason they knew Daniel's God was alive was he knew God's voice, and he trusted God. He committed his way to the Lord. Psalm 37, verse 5 says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him, and he will bring it to pass. Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, in John fourteen twenty six he said, He will teach you all things. And look at it. And the, but the helper of the Holy Spirit, when he comes, uh Whom I will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. He said, you go, Holy Spirit's going to speak to you and guide you into all things. And in chapter 16 of John, verse 13, he says, however, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Living proof that your God is a living God. Daniel had his character, his conduct, and his lifestyle. He was righteous. He was godly. He was holy. He did not embrace the world. He embraced God's Word, and he embraced God's way. He did not embrace the flesh. He chose to be controlled by the Spirit. But the further living proof that Daniel knew the living God was that he knew God's voice. And he knew his power. And he trusted him. He trusted him. And oh, listen, we can trust him. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him. And he will bring it to pass. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently, expectantly for him. Here's the last thing. The third thing that showed us that Daniel's God was a living God. Daniel's courageous obedience to God that overcame the fear of man. Daniel's courageous obedience to God that overcame the fear of man. In chapter 6, I want y'all to see this. Take just a moment. Look at verse 6 and 7. The people uh, were jealous of Daniel. They know they could never get him to sin. So they only said, the only way we ever going to get trapped, Daniel, is, is about his God. Now, he's going to do what his God says. So, so what it says here, so these governors and satraps thronged, uh, uh, thronged before the king and said to him, King Darius live forever. And then he got him to make a decree. All the governors of the kingdom, and, and I'm not going to read all those words there. He said, listen, make a decree, king, make a decree that if anybody prays to any any God but you for 30 days, you're going to put them in the lion's den, and then you sign it, you seal it with the law of the Medes and Persians. Darius wasn't even thinking. Nebuchadnezzar was off the scene. Darius said, that sounds good to me. So he used to decree anybody that prays to any other God than me for 30 days is going in the lion's den, and I seal it with the law of Medes and Persians. Well, they knew that was the one way they could get Daniel. So you look over in Daniel 6, verses 10 through 11. Daniel heard the decree. It says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, went to his upper room, and it, uh, threw open his windows open toward Jerusalem. He knelt on his knees three times a day and prayed to give thanks before his God as his custom since." Since he was, uh, been, had known God. All right, Daniel, you know what, what what the king said. You pray to any other God but him for 30 days, you're going to get in the lines, den. Daniel didn't even think, take a second thought. He did what he always did went to his room, opened the windows toward Jerusalem, and three times a day he would do that, and he would just pray. To God hey you see he knew the living God he talked to God and God talked to him he talked to God and God talked to him and, and so he, he just did exactly what he knew was going to get him in the lines then well boy those guys that were had set a trap for him went to the king and said king you know that you know that decree Daniel is praying three times a day and the king said oh no I love Daniel I love Daniel I know Daniel has the real and living God they said but you, you ain't got a choice You said you were going to sign it with the law of Medes and the Persians and you're going to put your ring to it. You you seal it with your ring. You ain't got a choice. You've got to obey the law. So that's when old uh, Darius stayed awake all night. They took Daniel, put him in the lion's den, rolled the stone over the door. Daniel stayed awake. I mean, Darius stayed awake all night. Stayed awake all night. But look at chapter 6, verse 16 of Daniel, and, and you see how God honored it. He says, so the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel. Look at what he said. Boy, this guy, he said, don't, don't sweat it, Daniel. Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Man, I wish I had that kind of faith. It's no pagan. He said, Daniel, I ain't worried about it. I am, but I'm not, because I know the God you serve and ain't no lion going to eat you up. So he put him in there. Boy, the next morning he couldn't wait to get down there. And verse 18, of course we read this. The king arose very early in the morning and went to the, to, to, uh, with haste to see the den of lions. And when he came to the uh, den, he cried out with a uh, lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke to Daniel saying, Daniel, servant of religion. servant of the living God, has your God, whom ye serve continually, been able to deliver you? (laughs) Daniel said he sure has. He sure has. Don't sweat it, king. Well, the king, boy, he was so relieved. And I want to tell you what he did. He issued one of the greatest decrees. And I want you just, I just want to read what the king did after he saw the living God who Daniel served. Deliver him from the lions. Look at verse twenty-six and twenty-seven. This is one of the greatest verses in the Bible. I make a decree that every dominion of my kingdom must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God. Woo! Somebody got the message. He is the living God and steadfastly for, and and is steadfast forever. His kingdom is one uh, which ha, uh, has. Will not be destroyed, and of his dominion there shall be no end. He said, "He's a living God. His kingdom will not be destroyed, and there'll be no end to it." He delivers. Listen to what the king said. This guy wasn't even saved. He delivers. He rescues. He and he works uh, wonder. He works signs and wonders, and 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 to himself and in the earth, and, and he's delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Man, I'll tell you. You know why they knew Daniel's God was a living God? Because Daniel obeyed God no matter what the cost. And he overcame the fear of man. I don't have to tell you that we're going to have to overcome the fear of man. We're going to have to obey God. Well, you know, this world has lion's dens. They'll put Christians in today. I'm not talking about prisons. Well, if you don't go along with what's going on in the office, they'll They'll kind of isolate you because you're stick in the mud, you know, you don't laugh at the dirty jokes and you don't talk about the pornography and you don't talk about how, what it was last night when you get drunk, you don't talk about your last affair. I don't like that word affair. You don't like to talk about your last adultery. There's lions dens. Hey, our God delivers us from the lion's den. He shuts the mouth of lions, and God gets glory honor. And praise. Okay, so I close this with asking you the question Is there living proof in your life that you serve the living God? Of course, we know that Christ lives in us. We do not live the Christian life in our own power. We can only have the fruit of the Spirit if we walk in the Spirit. The Christian life is not difficult, it's impossible. Christ has to live in you. You have to be surrendered to Christ. You have to be a vessel that Jesus can fill. And you do not look to yourself for the power to overcome the world's culture. You do not look for yourselves to be able to live a holy lifestyle. You look to Jesus. You depend on Jesus. You ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. You ask God to keep you from the evil way and evil one. You realize that your strength is in Christ. But however, when you do, your life will be living proof. That your God, you don't have religion, but that your God is alive. You know, there's a song that we sing, and, and let's just let's just stand and sing this song right now. And uh, and then I'm gonna give you an opportunity if you need to come. I love this song, <laughs> and I love the chorus. Oh my soul, I love it. I would sing it as a solo, but I want you to be blessed. So let's sing it now. It's not time for y'all to leave, by the way. We're not through. All right, let's go. Sing it with me. I serve a risen Savior. He's
1: in the world today. I know that he is living whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along like narrow way. He lives, He lives, salvation to impart. Ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart.
0: Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus.